Hey guys, just finished the workshop, the first one, the apprentice workshop. I really think this will be valuable to you. We have about 70 or so people here, leaders, who are learning about this, the framework of what it looks like to be an apprentice of Jesus. Honestly, it's kind of like our new vision framework, the, how we're really structuring all of our church. So I really think these next like 25 minutes or so will be valuable to you. Please comment down below your biggest takeaway and something you learned. And just thank you so much for your time. This will also be up on the podcast. All right, see ya. Matthew chapter 13, it says in verse, if you're fast enough, run there, because we're going to be running. We got a lot to run through today. Today is an overview of the Apprentice Workshop. And so essentially today is overview, and then we're going to be looking at four principles today, and the next four sessions will cover each principle. But Matthew chapter 13 really hits the heart of, I think, what we're searching for here today, and I hope you're encouraged. Starting at verse 3. In Matthew chapter 13, then he, Jesus, told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns came up and choked it. Still other seeds fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. What we have here is we're saying the disciples of Jesus, when we're spreading this gospel, some will hear it, will say it's, yes, this is it, this is the answer, I finally have changed. And if you've done ministry for any length of time, you grow weary and discouraged because often it's those who are so pumped about following Jesus, you just give it a month or two and you have no idea where they went. Our heart is that that would not be you. And many of you are like, I've been a Christian longer than you've been living. I get it. But hopefully we do have some people in here that are new to the faith. And hopefully, though, you are leading people to Jesus who are new in the faith. And really this whole idea here is, God, would you be gracious to us to be people that produces 30, 60, 100-fold? May we not only be plants that are rooted in the ground and we love Jesus, but may we be people who produce other fruit and lead other people to Jesus. And that's essentially the heart of what this workshop will be. And we can't do that without the grace of God. Amen? We can't do that because God is the only one who can truly change people. And that's the question I want to start out with. How do people change? How do people truly change? If you've done ministry for any length of time, it almost gets discouraging because you start to ask not how do people change. You start to ask the question, why can't some people ever change? Right? Why? I've, tried, I've done everything. We've taught them everything possible, but yet you're still in the same situation we left you in? And so what we're hoping to develop here is a framework, hopefully, to where somebody can actually change for the long haul, where all of us in here will finish the race well. Oh, how it, it, I guess it matters how we start, but it so matters how we finish. Amen? Amen. And so that's where to look at. And so really, we all want change. We all need change. Every single presidential election, it's always some sort of slogan about change that's coming. We all know we need it. When a new church plant comes up, we say, we're different, we'll actually change your life, and then we're kind of left wanting again and again. And so again, I want us to look at what does change mean. In our culture, this is what a lot of people believe. The philosophy of our time says the way to change is through the mind. All we need is just more education. 
Some of us think we just need to have better laws. They need to understand what those mean. We can change behavior through education. Our problem is just ignorance. Now, do we love education? Absolutely. Do we see the mind being a huge uh, aspect of the Christian faith? Absolutely. We're going to look at that here. However, I do think if we just think information will change us, we will still be wanting. We can still be choked up by the things of this world. I think we, are, we have more information than any other generation in history, and yet we are still so profoundly evil. So information alone is not what changes. Our mind alone isn't necessarily what changes us. We see that in the scriptures. It's not the thing. It's certainly part of the solution. But for us to become more and more like Jesus, it's going to have to involve much, much more than the mind. And that's why we're calling this an apprentice workshop. To be an apprentice during uh, the uh, ancient culture in Israel, to be an apprentice didn't just mean you sat there and listened to him in a class. You lived with him. You learned how he would eat. You learned how he would fellowship. You learned every aspect of his life. And they knew back then, and we so desperately need to revive that, that following the ways of Jesus isn't just knowing about Jesus, but literally doing all the things that he did while he was here on earth. And so that's what we're going to look at. So this is what we believe. The way to change is to be made whole, and that can't happen without the soul. A soul is a huge part of the Christian life. So how are we nurturing our souls as Christians? How are we allowing God to work within us? Does this include the mind? Absolutely. But the soul is something much more profound, also much more deeper. Don't turn there, uh, but Mark 8, 34, it says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus is talking about being an apprentice of Jesus. And the number one thing he says, do not forfeit your soul. So honestly, that's what we're looking at. How do we not forfeit our soul? And we believe it's several dimensions. There's several things we have to recognize. We're going to look at in week, in session four, that we actually, our souls are being formed every single day. We don't even know it, but the media, the way our, our clock, our routines are forming our souls negatively or positively. Everything is making a difference. I've been on an eight-month journey of realizing how much I have been unintentionally sabotaging my soul. And I have been slowly but surely unwinding certain practices, certain habits in my life. And the joys that I found in Jesus have been so profound. And so, like, I'm like, this is what this summer is going to be about. I'm so excited. And a lot of it is from these books that we're going to be looking at. Another thing I want to encourage you with, our souls are all unique. We're going to look at throughout this workshop that maybe what God is, how God tells Pastor Billy to do certain things to foster his relationship with Jesus may be different for you. That could be encouraging for you. Some people are like, I do the one-year reading Bible plan every year. Some of you are like, I would rather die. Amen, right? <laughs> That's okay. You know what? God may have wired you that way. There's hope for you. So we're going to be looking at wholeness. That's how we change. The whole self, the mind, the soul, body. Love the Lord your God, what? With all your mind, soul, body, and strength. And what? Also love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're looking at. And this is kind of the way to summarize the whole, the whole session, the whole uh, workshop. We desire to produce apprentices of Jesus, and this is in the very front cover, who passionately pursue the life and lifestyle of Christ in Queen Creek. 
That's what we'll look at the next five weeks, five sessions. So, number one, apprentices of Jesus who passionately pursue. What we have here is this idea, every single Jesus follower is not done. Every, if you are alive and breathing, God has a plan for you, amen, and God has another step for you to take. And we're going to look at that particularly next session. Again, this is every other Tuesday, so not this next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that, July 2nd. We're going to be looking at what does it look like to passionately pursue. One thing, an apprentice of Jesus never stops learning. How do we pursue Jesus? We never stop learning from those above us, those below us, everywhere on the spectrum. We are learning from everyone. This even means we learn from culture. We're learning. How come they're pursuing this? How come families are doing that? We're learning from everybody. Specifically, again, a lot of this talk is going to be like what we're going to be talking about. But next session, I'm, I might be most excited about it. We're going to be looking at the different stages of the Christian life. And in fact, in uh, Eternity is now in session. There is a whole the second half of the book is about the stages of the Christian life. And the church fathers have actually defined it in four different stages. But the beauty of it is within those four stages, there are so many steps that you and I can take throughout the rest of our life. And it's a beautiful thing I'm most excited about next week. The next thing, an apprentice of Jesus never compares. We hope in this workshop you'll be encouraged. I'm excited. There's people from all different walks of life. I want us to be encouraged about where each other's at in the, in the journey, but not compare it. I heard a pastor put it this way. It doesn't matter if you're on the second yard line or you have two yards to go. What matters is are you making progress? That's what Jesus looks at. And some of us started on the 50-yard line because we were raised by Christian parents. Others of us, we started in the, in the back alley because of the way we started, right? And we're just trying to get back on the field to start out. But the point is, is that we're moving forward. So don't compare your journey. Another thing in a princess of Jesus never gives up. When we passionately pursue Jesus, you have this thing in church history, a lot of people call it the dark night of the soul. This is when you, you lose the one that you love most dearly. This is when you go through an illness. This is when you just go through crazy depression and you don't even understand. Even in those moments, as apprentices of Jesus, we know God's in control. We know that God is actually using this to form our soul. That's a big part of the Christian life. And so we want to encourage you next session, what does that look like to have a dark night of the soul? Are you in one? Is somebody in your table in one? Can we pray for you? Because I, I promise you, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but right now you can't see it. But God is in control. Another thing is an apprentice of Jesus never holds back. I love that in Mark 8. You got to give it all or you lose it all. Right? Lose it all and then you'll save it. But if you try to save it all, you will lose it. Augustine, some people call him Augustine, he says this. He says, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Until we never hold back and say, Jesus, I am completely surrendered. That's how we pursue Jesus. The last one, an apprentice of Jesus is never alone. This is why, actually, so um, kind of awkward, but for Passion Creek here in the room, we had assigned seating. The main desire for why we assign seating for you is we really want to have more D groups in our church. And so we have quite a few who are already part of a D group. Um, but what it is, and we want everybody to be a part of one if that's how God has wired you, but it's three to four people. So you have, we have growth groups at our church, right? But go to the next level. We want to have D groups, discipleship groups. And it's three to four of the same sex. And you are just learning life together. You are reading God's word together. You're growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus through that consistent community. 
um, something that'll be of encouragement. We're going to look at throughout this workshop, what can that D group really look like? Okay, so for this, this whole idea, we're going to look at again next session, passionately pursuing. Um, that's why in your homework this coming next, within these next two weeks, we're asking you to read, I believe, the first four chapters of The Great Omission. And we have here Dallas Willard is a super, oh, it's so, I love every single one of his books. He's my, I think he's my favorite author right now, but I'm, I'm kind of exaggerative, but he's my favorite right now. And Dallas Willard's incredible, but in the first four chapters, I hope just the light bulb turns on for you to recognize mainly that Jesus is not just our savior. He's also a brilliant teacher. Like he also just knows how to live the human life. He doesn't just save us for the next life. He creates an incredible way to live now. So the great omission, um, you're going to be reading uh, this next couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, maybe there's spark notes online, but I hope you don't do that. Uh, but yeah, some are like, what's spark notes? Good for you. That means you didn't cheat that much in school. Um, we didn't even have, I didn't even have Google really when I was in school. So those youngins, man, I tell you what, right? Right, people? Those youngins. All right? All right. <laughs> Now the next thing, apprentices of Jesus passionately pursue life in Christ. So this will be session three. And oh, I'm so excited for this one. John 10, 10, something my dad quoted throughout my whole life in the house. The devil, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life in what? Abundance. In him alone is this abundant life. And as a church, as pastors, Our chief job every single Sunday is to go through the Bible and always show you how Jesus is sufficient, Jesus is supreme, Jesus is the Savior. Every single text points to the fact that you can't, but He can. That God wants to do something through you and in you, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are absolutely nothing without His life. We need His grace upon grace upon grace just to survive every day, every minute. And this is the heart of what we're looking at. We're going to learn about Christ is our reconciler who brings us back to God. This is how we have life in Christ. He reconciled us. Our sins separated us, but he brought us back to him. We're going to learn and see, sorry for those, you're going to like really write fast. I know my mom's already mad at me. Um, Christ is our redeemer who frees us from the slavery of sin. You see beautiful imagery of that with Paul, all of his letters talking about how we were once enslaved, right? Once dead to sin. But because of Jesus, his life, we now have life and freedom. Christ is our substitute who dies in our place. A beautiful reality. Not only that, like, okay, that saves me for the last day, but as I wake up tomorrow, that gives me hope for the day. He is my substitute. He has done all these things in my place. And Christ is our victor who offers us victory over sin and death. Yeah, just take a picture. It's way better. Mom, I know you too. I can send it to you later. But, oh, Jordan, you, we live at the same house. I can send it to you later. The next thing, apprentices of Jesus passionately pursue the lifestyle of Christ. They pursue the lifestyle of Jesus. What does that mean? You know what's incredible? And Dallas Willard talks about it in his book, The Great Omission. We need to stop just studying that Jesus came and we only studied just the week before he dies and then his resurrection. There's a reason he had a public ministry. There's a reason he lived 33 years. You realize he could have just plopped down, got on the cross, died, rose again, done. There's a reason he had to be born as a baby. There's a reason he had to grow up through the puberty, awkward years. Amen. Doesn't that just give you encouragement, right? There's a reason he did all those things. And there's a reason he had three years of public ministry. 
And here's where I think a lot of us are caught up. I want this, this workshop to change, honestly, your life because of the grace of Jesus, but I want us to recognize the count the dots, uh, connect the dots that a lot of us, we want the result of Christianity without taking the route of Christianity. And we wonder why we're so dysfunctional. So yes, grace, yes, Jesus in our place. Yes, he's our victor, he's our portion, he's our strength, he's our redeemer, he's forgiven us. But there's stuff that we have to do here on earth to truly tap into that. So what are the practices you're doing? Jesus, when he lived on earth, he lived the perfect human life. So we have to examine what were the things he did while he was here on earth and how am I supposed to do those things as well? And you can majorly see it by reading the Gospels and looking how he spent his time. Number one, he had God time. We're going to look at again in this session, what is God time? This is meditation, this is prayer, this is fasting, this is Sabbath, something that has just been so liberating for my soul because I just love to work, but I really struggle with resting. God time. So we're going to look at how does this help you? And this is what I'm so excited about. The book we're looking at for this one, it's called Enneagram and the Way of Jesus. But we're going to be looking, but here's what's powerful about Enneagram and the Way of Jesus. Guys, this, one, this gets me, I just didn't mean to slam that. This gets me jacked because my God time does look different than my dad's. And it looks different than my mom's, right? And it looks different than my daughter's because she doesn't have it yet. Can you pray for her? She's four. She's not saved yet. Lord help us. She needs more God time in her life. No. But you're going to be learning in this book. It's going to tell you, this is how you're wired. This is how you think. Guess what? Liberate yourself. You are a person because I have a lot of three in me. I need to rest intentionally or I will never rest. Right? Oh, you are a person. I'm a seven. So I love food. I love everything. Like everything's like the best thing ever. I already proved that earlier, right? I just want more. That's the story of my life. More. I have to fast. I have actually, I've gotten to the point where I fast twice a week. Why? I have to remind myself that Jesus, you are better than all these other things I'm chasing. It's been profoundly helpful for my Christian life. But for you, you may, you may need to feast. You may need to party a little bit more. You're a little bit uptight, you know? You need to look a little more like Jesus and start partying with people. So that's what this book's going to be. It's going to be really liberating, I think, for you if you've been struggling with your God time. Another thing is gather time. This is Sunday morning. This is worshiping. Jesus worshiped in the synagogue, right? We're called to worship here, worship at the movie theater. This, we believe, is important. Worship, communion, preaching, giving, service. This helps your Christian life. This helps your soul. Next thing is group time. So right now, this is your group time. But in the fall, we have our growth groups kick up, back up again. In the group time, you have fellowship. You have Bible study. You have peacemaking. You have confession. These are things Jesus did while he was here on earth. And it's what we're called to do as well. The last thing is go time. We're called to share the gospel. Jesus always did it. We're called to share it. We're called, here's how I love to share the gospel, sharing the life and lifestyle of Jesus, showing the holistic, how this is good for your whole soul. This doesn't just save you from hell. There is something more beautiful than that, even though that's pretty beautiful. I'm pretty pumped about that perk, right? No hell? Nobody? Even though summer? Getting close to it. Amen? All right? All of these things intentionally form our soul. But you have to recognize we spend our time elsewhere, and it's forming our soul in a negative way. So we have to put these practices and habits in place. And if you're like, what are those practices? 
I'm so glad you signed up. You're at session one. That's going to be session four. All right. Sound good. So make sure you're back for that. Thank, something that we do as a church at Passion Creek, we do this 21 day practice once every, we do it once every four months to where instead of 21 day prayer, we just say, okay, for 21 days, okay, hey guys, as a church today, we're fasting. The next day, hey, as a church, we're Sabbathing. Hey, as the next, as a church today, make sure you meditate. And it's just learning about these different practices and encouraging each other along the way. That's something we as a church are trying to help you in this lifestyle of Jesus is to give you on ramps. Okay, you know what? I don't know how to do all this stuff, but for 21 days, I'm going to try a bunch of this stuff and see what happens. Cool? Now, Enneagram in the Way of Jesus, you're going to love that book. If you don't, just you hurt my feelings. Okay? So the next thing. Apprentices of Jesus passionately pursue the life and lifestyle of Christ in their city. And for us, that means in Queen Creek. So we're called to live this out. We're called to actually embody all of these things here. We're called to actually think and process these things and then go to Starbucks and talk to people. And at our work and love on people. And go to the places in our city where there, there's poverty, where there's poor. We're called to care for the orphan and the widow in our city. right? We're called to provide for the poor and for those in need. We're called to pray for the sick. We're called to provide for those who are not in a good situation. This is what we're called to do as followers of the way of Jesus. But we have to be pretty intentional about it. And so that's why I'm very excited. The last thing you're going to be reading is called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. It helps you realize... Hey, this is how our world thinks now. This is what secularism is. This is why the church, quote unquote, is dying. But this is how we can, as a church, rise above that and really serve our city in a way that doesn't just say, thank you for helping me, but in a way that makes them say, I want to know more about the ways of Jesus. Okay, so this is the picture. This is the overall 30,000 feet. This is where we're going for the next four sessions. And there's going to be a lot to wrestle with. There's going to be a couple times we're going to ask some uncomfortable questions. Tonight won't be that night, but next week, right? And we're going to be processing these things together. But I just know from my own vantage point, I've learned about this stuff my whole life, right? But there's something, at least for me, the way this framework is about passionately pursuing this ongoing learning, recognizing that there's actually stages to this Christian life. And I've recognized, I'll talk about next session, where I'm at, and I have so much to grow. The life of Christ. I love that paradigm of just the gospel. You can't miss that. But what has been liberating for me is to also see that there is a lifestyle. There is a way he lived as a human that I'm called to live. And the way I use my habits and my practices. And then applying it to everyone around me. That framework for me has helped my soul so much. And, it, and my prayer is that it would help all of us to become leaders in, in our churches to become, to rise above and really take care of our own soul, but be people like in Matthew 13 that produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. God, in your grace, would you do that? <laughs>